Lord Jesus, we ask that you would teach us from what you say to us in the Bible to help us love you and serve your people more. We pray this in your name. Amen. The, uh, the oddest job I ever had was one summer during college, I worked tra- to tra- transcribe undercover tapes for the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. They would send people into sting operations wearing a microphone, and my job was to transcribe what got recorded. In one of the tapes, they had sent a former drug dealer who was cooperating with them to a party where there were going to be other drug dealers, and his job was to get them to talk. Unfortunately, though, he got distracted from his task by a woman that he met at the party. And they started to flirt with each other, and then they started to dance, and then they started to kiss, and I had to transcribe all of this, right? Kissing sounds were made, right? And I was getting nervous that if this went on much longer, things would start to happen that I didn't know how to spell, right? Fortunately, he remembered his task and and went back to work. But it was a really, really strange job. This fall, all fall, we've been talking about how Jesus makes all things new. And I think one of the things that Jesus wants to make new is our work. Whether it's a job that we get paid for or whether we're a homemaker or retired, we all have some kind of work to do. And that work is good. In fact, according to God, work is holy. One of the misconceptions that we have is that work is somehow a result of the fall, sort of a necessary evil and has nothing spiritual about it. And we sort of have this sort of maybe a spiritual hierarchy. A few jobs maybe are spiritual. And we sort of have this hierarchy and maybe way at the top of missionaries are the most spiritual people. And, you know, way down here is something like, I don't know, politicians or something like that, right? And most everything in between is just kind of not spiritual, But according to the Bible, most work is holy. In fact, the Hebrew words for work and for worship share the same root word. When God makes Adam and Eve, he gives them meaningful work to do. Their job is to take care of the earth. And even heaven isn't one giant retirement cruise. The Bible says there's meaningful work for us to do there. But like everything else that God created good, work gets wrecked by sin. It can become an idol, something that we look to to give us meaning or security rather than God. Or we become workaholics or we exploit other people's labor for our own ends. Or our work becomes boring and stressful and no fun. That work is toil rather than joy. That is the result of the fall. Bad jobs, bad bosses, that's the result of the fall. But work itself is holy. And Jesus can make where our work is wrecked, Jesus can make our work new. It's interesting to me that when Jesus picked his disciples, he didn't pick pastors. He picked people who did real work, like fishermen and tax collectors and stuff like that. And he says to them, you're fishermen now, but I'm going to make you fish for people. In other words, Jesus takes our ordinary work and makes it into something extraordinary. He turns it into the arena in which we partner with him in redeeming the world. And to me, this is where work gets really exciting. You know, usually when I've heard sermons on being a Christian in the workplace, you know, I think we tend to think that being a Christian at work means, I guess we're just sort of nicer to other people, you know, or or, or, or it means waiting for an opportunity to evangelize someone, maybe cleverly twisting the conversation during a coffee break to bring in something religious, you know. You think this coffee is hot, you should see hell, right? (laughs) 
care to talk about it? Right? You've heard those sermons, right? But I think Jesus makes work more exciting than that. C.S. Lewis says that there is no neutral ground in the universe, that every square inch and every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. In other words, your workplace is a battlefield, and God has an agenda for your workplace, and Satan has an agenda for your workplace. And you are God's secret agent in your workplace, dropped behind enemy lines to cooperate with God in foiling the enemy's plans. And God has strategically scattered us all throughout the east side, Monday through Saturday, in schools and homes and offices, 4,000 antibodies in a diseased body politic, and we are there by God's design to partner with him there in redeeming the world. And I think that there are a couple of ways that we can cooperate with Jesus in remaking our workplace so that work becomes less toil and more of an adventure. And the first is simple. Do a good job. That's what's going on in the story of Joseph that we just read. He's doing a good job. Joseph was a hero in the Old Testament who had a very strange career path. First, because of sibling rivalry, his brothers sold him into slavery. Okay, when I was growing up with two little siblings, no one told me that was an option. <laughs> really? I can sell my brother? That's awesome. Then he ended up working for a man named Potiphar and did such a good job, he got promoted to master of the house. But then Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of rape, so Joseph was put in jail. But he was such a good worker that in jail, the jailer put him in charge of the whole prison. And while he was in jail, Joseph interpreted a dream for the Pharaoh's baker. And when the baker got out of jail, went back to work for Pharaoh. Two years later, Pharaoh had a dream that nobody could interpret. The baker remembered that Joseph was in prison and they fetched him out of jail and Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, so Pharaoh made him prime minister of Egypt. Second in command. Very strange career path. <laughs> but at each stage, whether he was in a great job like being prime minister of Egypt, which is cool, or in an awful job like being in jail, which isn't, Joseph always did a good job at what he was doing. And because of that, God prospered him. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for people. One of the best ways to represent Jesus in our workplace is to do a good job. When I was teaching at Stanford, I had a freshman who wanted to do his research, term research paper disproving the theory of evolution. And that was fine with me. The problem was, in his rough draft, he only cited one source, his pastor, all the way through the paper. You know, and I told him I was a Christian. I appreciated his zeal for the Bible. I was sure his pastor was a really swell guy. But that a college research paper required, well, research. And more than just one source. Well, when he turned in his final draft of his paper, he hadn't changed one single thing. And he said to me, I know you say you're a Christian, but my Bible study and I talked about it and we decided that you're not. And the reason you don't like my paper is because you're persecuting me. So my Bible study and I are going to pray for you until you see the truth. And I said, thank you very much. I can always use the prayer and you're still getting a D. His job was to be a student and he was being very lazy about it and kind of using God to cover it up. And I thought, if I had been a non-Christian teacher at Stanford, what kind of a witness would that have been to me about who Jesus is? 
First way to show Jesus in your workplace is to do a good job. Not be a workaholic, not overwork, but do a good job. Because here's the thing. Most jobs have something about them that is worth doing, that is holy. And it's worth doing, and it's worth doing well. Some of you are gifted at making money in business. That is a good thing. Money is a tool to be used by God, plus you're creating employment. Being a parent is a chance to shape a life. The legal profession at its best is about maintaining justice and fairness. This weekend, Christine and I had our carpets cleaned, and as the cleaner guy was leaving, I said, thanks, the carpet looks really, really great, and, and that was all he needed. I mean, he just started telling me everything about carpet cleaning that I ever wanted to know. I know how to clean a carpet now. And he was really excited about my clean carpet, way more than I was, right? Because he saw value in his job. He knew what he was doing was making our home more comfortable, saving us money because he was preserving the life of the carpet. His job for him was an adventure because he saw the value in doing it and doing it well. Even retirement can be holy. I have a retired friend who every morning prays, Lord, who do you want me to love today? One day as he was walking to Starbucks, he got a nudge from the Holy Spirit to talk to one of the homeless women that hang out in the park with, and she hangs out with her dog. He started talking to her. This became a daily ritual for him. One day he noticed the dog was gone and asked her about it, and the dog had died. She was heartbroken about this because that, the dog was her only companion. So my retired friend gathered the people who were in the park, got them all together, and had a funeral for the dog. And it made this woman feel so good to have her loss acknowledged. It made her feel human again. Most jobs have something that are holy about them and are worth doing. And doing well because of it. And I know some jobs can feel just like a lot of drudgery. But it's also true that most jobs deal with four things that are sacred to God. People, time, money, and the fruit of the land. And how we steward those things is what makes our jobs holy. And they're worth doing well. Second way that we can partner with Jesus in remaking our jobs is to see what Jesus would see if he were in our workplace. Jesus had this great way of seeing what God was doing in any situation. You know, a woman comes to get water at a well, and he turns it into a spiritual conversation that changes their life. I'd have seen a woman at the well. Joseph ends up in jail, but he sees an opportunity there to help people know who God is. I'd have seen jail. As you go into work every day, try praying, Lord, help me to see what you're doing here, and show me how you want me to be a part of it. I know a man who was a mid-level manager, and one of his employees forged a name on a document, and the company policy for that was immediate termination. Manager prayed about it and kind of felt God moving him to show this employee grace. So the manager went and talked it over with his supervisor. Supervisor said, okay. So they showed him grace. The employee was blown away that he wasn't fired. And as a result, he cleaned up his act and has turned into one of their best employees. That manager saw an opportunity to partner with God in reclaiming a person. And he took it. And his job went from being manager to sort of this adventure in partnering with God in reclaiming a human being. A third way that we can re participate with Jesus in remaking our jobs is when we use the influence that God has given us. Whether you're a CEO or receptionist, it's all important to God. And he asks us to use our influence in the sphere that he's given us. If you're a manager, do you pray for your employees? Do you offer them a chance to grow in their jobs? Do you give them opportunities to, to, to try new things? Do you praise them when they achieve? Do you hold them accountable? 
when they don't perform. Do you know what the Bible calls all of those activities? Pastoring. If you are a manager, you are a pastor of the people who report to you. If you're a CEO, maybe you could locate your next business venture in an underprivileged community to help create jobs in that community. It doesn't matter how large your sphere of influence, it's what you do with it. Do a good job, see what Jesus would see, use your influence, and finally live the gospel where you work. Do you treat the people in your office the way Jesus would treat them? I'm not talking about just being nice, but giving them dignity. You know, and that can be as simple as saying hello. And, and this is something I've, I've had to learn over the years. I, this is embarrassing to admit, but because I can't multitask at all, if I get lost in thought, I can walk right by people I know and not even see them. So the first week that I was here at the church, I was walking in every morning, lost in thought, lost in my mind, and I would walk right by everybody sitting at their desk and not even say hello. Right? I mean, this was the first week I was here. And how do you like the new pastor so far? Right? <laughs> kind of grouchy, I think. Right? So our children's ministry director, Jane Lewis, who's been here 30 years and trained two other senior pastors before me, and <laughs> she had to pull me aside. And she said, you know, it might feel a little more pastoral to the staff if you did something like say hello. <laughs> oh, oh, they want that? Oh, okay, you know, I can do that. And, and so now I say hello. Most of the time. <laughs> live the gospel where we're at. Treat people the way Jesus would. Another way we can live the gospel is by being ethical. Do you realize what a huge impact you could have simply by not padding your expense account the way everyone else does? Or if you notice something unfair, graciously advocate for disempowered people in your office? Now, I don't think that means raising a fuss every time you see something that is just slightly unethical, you know, little Marty Luther, here I take my stand, I can do no other kind of vigilance. I mean, that just gets annoying. You don't get the impression that Joseph was protesting every unethical thing that Pharaoh did, and I'm sure there was plenty. What he did do was he relied on the Holy Spirit to help him know which causes to take up and which causes belong to someone else. Sabbath. Practicing Sabbath, another way you can show a, uh, show a life that is grounded and centered in Christ. There's all kinds of ways that we can live the gospel in a way that attracts other people. Do a good job, see what Jesus would see, use your influence, live the gospel. Now, some of you may be thinking, Pastor, that sounds nice, but you don't know my job. You don't know my boss. You're a pastor. What do you know anyway, right? You're, everything you do is spiritual, right? Not so much. I mean, another way to look at my job is I'm the CEO of a $5 million nonprofit organization with a board of directors of 38 and a customer base of 4,000 people, and I've got to give a speech to all of them every week. And when we're praying over the details of health care policy or performance reviews, I mean, it can start to feel very secular. But just that we pray about those decisions, just that little step, makes it feel more like a partnership with God rather than a task to be done. Now, for some of you, it may be true that God might be nudging you into a new career, one that suits your gifts and your talents better. He may be doing that. But I also believe that any job can feel like an adventure if we let the Holy Spirit in. A while back, I got an email from one of our members about how Jesus was using her to remake her workplace. And so I'm just going to read the email to you. This is what she wrote to me. She said, Dear Scott, I, I thought you'd like to hear what happened at work today. First, a little background. I'm a nurse at a hospital. One of the employee benefits we're offered is a health program at a gym. Of the 12 employees who signed up, six work on my unit. 
All of us are fair, fat, and 40. In the first meeting, the counselor talked about identifying what we really yearn for when we reach for that cookie and going for what's real rather than for the sham that will never satisfy. Then he asked what our dreams for the future were. I said I wanted to help raise my grandchildren and do some mission work, and I needed to be healthy to do that. I can't be fat and having a stroke in Africa or something like that. He told me that my response was very unusual. So what did he think I wanted a gym for, to fit into a bikini? So last Sunday's sermon was about temptation. I figured this could be helpful to my coworkers in resisting the urge to overeat. So today we had some downtime on the unit, and I said that I had something to share. I pulled out my sermon notes and preached an abridged version of Sunday's sermon. People crowded around to hear, even those who I expected would sniff and turn their backs. The charge nurse said, let me copy that. Another nurse followed me down the hall and said, may I copy your notes? I want to talk to my teenagers about sex. I was amazed. My wonderful coworkers are a great blessing in my life, but this experience may take our communication to new and deeper levels. So the first thing I noticed was that her abridged version of the sermon got a way better response than the actual sermon. <laughs> so obviously she should be up here, not me. But more importantly, she saw an opportunity. She saw what Jesus saw, a way to be part of what he was doing in that workplace by helping her co-workers become who they were trying to be and become more fit and live out their goals. She saw what Jesus saw. She took the opportunity, encouraged her co-workers, introduced Jesus in a non-threatening way, and brought them all into a deeper relationship with each other. That's how Jesus can remake a workplace. I am the beneficiary of people who saw their jobs not as a job, but as a battlefield where every person, every moment was either claimed by God or counterclaimed by Satan. Over two years and three different jobs, I was an atheist who ended up always being surrounded by Christians who guided me to Christ. One woman simply by buying a band-aid to put on a burn that I had on my arm. Another by giving me books. A man who listened to me talk about my life. And, and one woman who was so confounded, happy all the time, it got on my nerves in a really attractive way. I remember one New Year's Eve, she asked me what I was going to do that New Year's Eve, and this was my pre-Christian party day, so important caveat, right? And I had plans to alter my consciousness, and we'll just leave the details of that vague. <laughs> Pre-Christian. But when I told her, she didn't judge. And then I asked her what she was going to do, and she said she was going to have dinner with her good friends, and then they were going to go bowling. And the bowling part sounded weird, but then she went on to describe her friendships. And they weren't like mine. Her friends seemed to really know each other, even know some of the junk about each other. And they still loved each other and had a good time together. And, and they seemed to have a depth of relationship that I never had with my party buddies. And even though I was rude to her on the outside, inside, I was thinking, I want what you have. All that joy, and you don't even need alcohol to get there. All of these people who pointed me to Christ worked in what some people would consider a boring, non-glamorous job. File clerk waiter, copy editor. But they experienced their jobs as an adventure because they viewed the workplace as a battlefield where they were called to partner with God in taking back what the enemy stole from him, his world and his people. And I have long since forgotten their names, but I remember their influence. 
And their influence extends through me to the people that I've influenced and the people they'll influence and so on and so on and so on. And somehow they knew that all of that was at stake every time they went to work. And so for them, work was an adventure literally of cosmic proportions. I did not meet Jesus in a church. I met Jesus through a waiter, a file clerk, and a copy editor. So how can you partner with Jesus in remaking your workplace, whatever it is? Tomorrow morning, can you pray, Lord, show me what you're doing here and how do you want me to be a part of it? So that your job can be less toil and more adventure as you partner with Jesus in making all things new, starting with where you'll be tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Lord, thank you that wherever we go, we take you with us. Lord, we ask that tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., that you would open our eyes to see what you're doing there so that we can follow you and be a part of your making new of all things. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.